When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Yablin! Four goals to Ablett. Oh, Justin Madden's got the set, one hand. Oh, oh, oh. oh the post is broken, Matthews hit it. Oh, talk about a he-man. Dream rises to the top. He is an absolute legend of the game. This is your Football Life with Rex Hunt. Fitzhoven Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Yes, Julian, g'day to you and g'day to Australia. And every person to a man gets very nervous when we say... On behalf of Tobin Brothers, I've got one of the Tobin Brothers here, but they're going too well on 3LO, and that's another story. There's a very good clue. Who is our man today? He played 243 games and kicked 327 goals for Carlton between 1974 and 1986. Three-time Premiership player. Carlton's leading goal kicker on two occasions. Carlton captain in 1986 and Carlton Hall of Fame inductee in 1995. He is, of course, Mark McClure. And welcome to the show, Mark. G'day, Rex. How are you going? I'm really good. Uh, looking through uh, your early days in footy, particularly with your dad in the Navy and moving around, uh, is it amazing that you came from Sydney, but you'd obviously been introduced to Australian rules football in a lot of other areas before you ended up playing in Sydney? No, I was born in Perth. Were you really? Absolutely. And um, quite in. Uh, my father introduced me to the game, of course, as you do as a junior, playing through the grades. Uh, I played with a club called Manning Park. Um, I played in the under-10s as my first really competitive stuff uh, with uh, Manning Park and Robbie Wiley was in that team. Yes. Peter Spencer was in that team who won a uh, Sandover medal. Yeah. And Brian Peake. So we had four wow. of us in the same team, but we didn't actually know anyone. Robbie yeah. Wiley kicked... 80 goals in the under-10s, Robbie Wiley. Did he really? Yeah. And, of course, for those people that know, Robbie Wiley's a Richmond Premiership player and is yeah. uh, current assistant coach with he Mick is. Malthouse. Yeah. And that's another story. And if you want to listen to Mark about his thoughts about Carlton, well, tune the dial to Don't the national broadcaster. To <laughs> I can tell you now. Uh, did you always consider yourself an above-average uh, no. player or were you just a battler? Or how did you view yourself as a kid? Did you have a, did you have a, a hero? Uh, not really. I, I, my hero was really my dad, you know. Yeah. And and, um, and uh, so I sort of played footy, and we used to play in the schoolyard, and you know, we when we when we wrecked the footies, we'd turn over to tennis balls and yeah. kick them back and forth, and and I suppose that's how you learn, you know, and that's how I learned. I learned to play sort of somewhat of football in that area with my mates, you know, just kicking the football around and uh, in the park and in the school ground and and come home with all your clothes all wrecked like we and smashed and and that's you know that's it was it was part of how you how you were brought up it's yeah. good it's great loved it and you could leave your bike there and no one would knock it off and you'd oh, well, walk down the main I'm not street and no about one, that. well no one would pull a knife on you for any of you'd have a bit of a fist fight over a shield or a two or something like that now, tell us about going to sydney and uh, attracting yeah. the attention of Carlton, and I think it was the great late Bert Deacon, who was a famous uh, Princess Park name, who actually first saw you playing in Metropolitan Sydney. 
yeah, I was quite amazed actually. Uh, I was in Sydney and I um, I was still at school and uh, just finished my schooling, or almost finished my schooling in 1973, early 73. Uh, and Bert Deacon arrived at the door, knocked on the door, didn't know who he was. I didn't have a clue, to tell you the truth. And his wife Jean is still still going and, um, and Bert turned up and knocked on the door and said, come down and play with us. And um, at Carlton I went, yeah, <laughs> I go, yeah, really? He goes, where'd you find me? I got no idea, yeah. you know. So um, I had a, you know, I just so, so I said, I, did, I said to my dad, I'll, I'll just have a talk to dad for a minute, and we had a bit of a chat, and he said, well, what are you doing here? Yeah, I go, not much. Yeah. So I might as well have a go. So that was how it all started, and I went down and um, I lived with a family, the Marnie family, and just right next to Princess Park, had a fantastic. Um, family where I lived. I lived on top of a garage, actually. Yeah. Uh, which is a little room, one room on the top of a garage. It was freezing. Uh, minus minus degrees and, and one degree and zero degrees, and I couldn't believe how cold it was. So. But I lived next door to the Cotagios. Rex and uh, that Italian food had just come over, wafted over the French. And I've never had it before. The yeah. only spaghetti I've ever had came out of a can. <laughs> and uh, I didn't think it came in the real deal, you know. But uh, anyway, so I went there next door a couple of times, and I used to I built a little ladder over the top so I could go right next door and uh, mm. eat in there. So I was, look, it was a really interesting upbringing in that area and something new for me. I know when I went to Richmond, you know, in 1966 with Bondi and all these household names were there, you know, Billy Barrett mm. and Neville Crow and Mike Patterson and Fred Swift, all that, and I knew who they were, but mm. clearly you'd walk into Princess Park where some of the big household names of the game were and you weren't over uh, familiar with some of those names. I knew yeah. I knew I knew the Jezelenkos, of course, yeah. and John Nichols, and yeah. uh, and Jeff Southby's, and uh, and Sid Jackson's, and those sorts of guys. But I, they were star-studded list, weren't well, they? They, well, they? The Richmond and and uh, probably Collingwood and Carlton at the yeah. time they went on, but Carlton uh, Collingwood never went on with. But Carlton and Richmond seemed to dominate that early, you know, seventies yeah. through towards the eighty. You know, yeah, it was. Yeah. And uh, I remember I played in the thirds when I first started in seventy-three. I went in June, so I turned up in sort of July, June thirty. I turned up in July and played in the under-nineteens for. Uh, I played five games, and then I played the rest of the year in the seconds. Yeah, and then the next year it sort of all started. But um, it was a uh, look. It was a great. A rude awakening, something I'd never done before, and and uh, I, I'd never trained before I came to Melbourne. Yeah. Seriously, I used to play really? water polo, I used to play surf, I'd play rugby league on Saturdays, Aussie rules Sundays, and then rugby union on a Wednesday at school. Yeah. And what do you need to train? In those so, days, you know, <laughs> you know, forty or fifty bucks a win or something like that or whatever. Did what was your first job down you, here in Melbourne? Actually, I think you were overpaid at fifty bucks a win. Was I really? But <laughs> no. don't tell anybody because they're all dead. <laughs> <laughs> no, I um, no, I didn't get a lot of money. My first year, I earned three hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah. Did you have a job as well? Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. You yeah. couldn't live on that. I was an apprentice electrician. Yeah, so and, I did that. And who 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 was your first uh, coach when you actually made the senior list? Uh, John Nichols. Yeah. Yeah, John was. There. And he'd been uh, captain coach in 1972 when he destroyed Richmond, mm. and he was uh, just magnificent. So tell us a little bit about Nichols and the way you found him and uh, and playing not only you know in Carlton but under his uh, his uh, tenure. He was imposing. Yeah. Um, incredible powerful figure and uh, when you think about uh, AFL football he's uh, in the Hall of Fame and he's a, he's a legend and uh, and he, he'd played 300 odd games and he'd won 5 or 6 best and first or 8 best I don't know how many best and first he won at Carlton but he yeah. won a stack of them yeah, and, he did. Uh, so he was he was an imposing figure and uh, yeah, I'd sometimes he'd get out of line and he'd try and pull you back in and that's part of life you know yeah. and you just go oh, okay I'm 
stepped over the mark a bit, you know, and away you go. So, look, for me, it was like uh, the coach and player relationship. I, I don't know. I never talked to too many coaches in my life. But when they talked to me, I was always in trouble. Yeah. It was never to say, how you going? Good on you. You're having a good time. <laughs> was always, I was in deep. You, know. you started your career at centre-half back. Uh, I think uh, yep. a couple of years later, you were moved down the forward line to say good day to Malcolm Brown. Now, they are serial pests, the whole <laughs> lot of them, and they're actually breeding serial pests. You know, the sun's going to breed another one, and along they go. But that's another uh, time uh, and another tale. But uh, interesting character, Malcolm Brown, uh, both on and off the football field. But there was oh. only one camera, or if it was that in those days. Oh, I like. I actually like Malcolm Brown. Mm. I actually think he's a, he's unusual. He's unique. He's different. <laughs> Uh, he's got a different thought process than others, and uh, we can't be all the same. I yeah. mean, one of the things, if we're all Rex Hunts, how would the world be? Oh, goodness me. They'd be closed down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean. So we, everyone's got to be different. That's what makes the world go round and brown. Yeah. I like him. I like his company. There were some household names in the forward line in 77 when your b- uh, big break came and you moved down there to join Robert Walls, Swan Mackay, yeah. and Peter McKenna, who came across from Collingwood. Yeah. Goodness me, you're in pretty fair company. Well, I played in the back line for a while. I actually played my first game against Geelong, and you were at centre-half back that day. And uh, No, it was centre-half forward Centre-half forward, yeah, I did no I good. Did. Yeah, yeah, well, no, no, no it's got nothing to do me. with that. No, I didn't play on you. <laughs> I played on Lee Crawford and, uh, and Blake, the big I think boys. a bloke called Crosswell played on yeah. me and got four weeks for just uh, mis, uh, mistiming my head with the ball. Well, he's, he's, he probably <laughs> didn't a big get enough you good target. enough. He didn't get you good enough. Anyway, <laughs> anyway but uh, look, the and I, I, I remember playing that day, and I went up forward after a while, after 50 games, and um, I think it was a good learning process for me. Mm. Be down back, you know, to be under pressure and, and, and actually work out how the forwards, how they run their running patterns and what yeah. they do. To play on the best is sometimes really good learning. Yeah. So was was, Wall, was Walls at his very, very best then? And no, you could actually, great. you know, watch him because he was a true centre-half forward, but yeah. when he was on song, he was unbeatable. Well, on a Wednesday, I used to train every day. When I, I made a pact when I first got down here. I was unfit because I didn't train. So I made a pact I trained every day. And, and on a Wednesday, I'd, I'd, Robbie Walls would be at training, and I was, I was always there. Mm. And I'd train, and I'd kick the ball back to him. Kick the ball back to him, kick the ball back to him. When I was even when I was 19 or 18 or 17, when I first started, I was doing that. So I, was, I had a lot to do with Robert in the early days and watched what he did and how he practiced and how he got better. And, and, and he was a ruthless piece of work, Robbie, you know, that when, when you played. He didn't miss any. Yeah, no, he didn't. And some people didn't miss him either. Yeah. <laughs> he got knocked out a few times and yeah. bashed about. But, but like, like, hey, mate, but he wouldn't blue. Yeah, no, but like Matthews, you know what I mean? You say exactly. you give him, and same with you or anybody, you, you win him and you wear him. You it's only, play. you know, certain blokes who wait in the car park for blokes when it's dark and uh, want to go on with it. Like, <laughs> you just by then you should have had a couple of beers and got back into bed. Oh, well, I think that I think the the actual respect level amongst the players was absolutely outstanding yeah. in those days. We had an aftermatch. Uh, for me, going to the aftermatch was a learning process. Yeah. You walk in there and you'd have a look at other people, how they dressed, how they carry themselves, how they spoke to people, how they how they treated you. I thought that for me, I thought that was just to watch people. I watched Don Scott. Yeah. Well, how did he dress, Rex? Oh, well, just like a... Uh, Yellow yeah, pants, exactly, orange shoes. With a, with a cravat. <laughs> and uh, we'd so, get on uh, Glenfrey Oval and punch the living suitcase yeah. out of you. Yeah, well, that's... If it's, you, you and if you people. meet him today, you reckon I'm... You Google unusual, my name comes up, but his head comes up. He is different, Don Scott. <laughs> he is different, but he's yeah. still a fair... He's a good guy, but, but, wasn't, you know? but, but, but I've heard you speak on the ABC many times. There's no characters anymore, and the game still has room for characters. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, Crackers Keenan and uh, the bloke who's still on his hands, what's his name, Jackson and Nichols mm. and all mm. these blokes, they just won't let him, but it doesn't appear to be... He obviously, he obviously missed his head. Yeah. He should have stood on his head. <laughs> Goodness me, but there's, there's, there's 
that's what people went to the footy for. Oh, yeah. And and when you moved to the forward line, you were against an all Australian full back or yeah. centre half back almost every week. Yeah, the, the centre half backs were fantastic. Yeah, you know, and uh, you had uh, Ross Glendinning and Billy Piggin. A kid called Chris Smith who played for Fitzroy. Yes. I don't know if you remember Chris. Yeah, I do. Good number player. eight. Number really eight he was, player. yep. Uh, and and there was this, every team had a, a jumping Jack Hawkins yeah. from Geelong. Uh, every team had a, a, you know, a Jimmy Jess yeah. for Richmond. And they just went on and on. On and, and on. on and on. Yeah, it was amazing. So, it was but, in those days that, that the centre-half forward and the centre-half back, a la Kerry and Jackovic, yeah. uh, a la Peter Knights and Vanderhaar, yeah. that people would go from all over the points of the earth to see these two clash. Yeah, and, and Peter Knights, you bring up Peter Knights, he was the best of all of them. I was reckon. he really? Yeah. I thought he was. He, he was. Uh, I used to walk out and, and and say hello, Pete. How you going? But yeah. I think I think you get three votes today, and I didn't. And I wasn't wrong many yeah. times against me. He kicked. He get three votes every time. He was yeah. just unbelievable. Great he, player. He, he was, and uh, just very very fair. But goodness me, you think you got it covered, and all of a sudden the punt. Very very disciplined because that's the way Hawthorne were in those days, and I think that's the way that Knights, when he came from Gippsland, actually you know took on that particular culture. You build up a little bit of rapport too with these guys after you play so many years and you play against each other so many times and and uh, some is some of the rapport is poor because you've bashed and crashed and yeah. some of it's fantastic yes. you know but you never get uh, everything perfect in life no uh, so look to us but in the aftermatch everyone was hospitable we never had a problem we'd have a couple of beers we'd had yeah. uh, we'd do what we had to do and and uh, <laughs> that's my phone going off it's all right but, <laughs> uh, we were hospitable it was, I thought it was just the aftermatch I think that they missed today. I think it's one of the really good things about yes. breaking down it is. barriers between different people and, 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 and what goes on in the field. Well, the umpires even came to ours. I don't know whether they yeah. came to yours or not. Oh, terrific. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. And, and you talk to them and you, go, and you work out, oh, they're not bad blokes. They're all they pretty are. good guys, you know. So I, I had a really good time doing that. This is Mark McClure right across the nation for Tobin Brothers today. And 80 years ago, folks, Tobin Brothers Funerals was founded by brothers Leo, Fonts, Thomas and Kevin. The company flourished due to the brothers' vision, hard work and diverse strengths and interests. The first Tobin Brothers branch opened in North Melbourne and these days is home to their head office and chapel. Today, Tobin Brothers Funerals is still owned by the Tobin family and is a trusted household name with 22 locations and over 190 trained professionals. Tobin Brothers the trusted name and realize take your break and we take up the career that just keeps taking off and uh, we'll be back shortly realize mark mcclure for tobin brothers this is your football life you're listening to this is your football life with rex hunt for tobin brothers funerals celebrating lives and we're celebrating our wonderful game of VFL and AFL and thousands of men have played the game at this the highest level. Some play and move on and others have more of an impact. And one of our people today, Mark McClure, has certainly had an impact both on and off the field. Um, let's, uh, let's just uh, take a little bit of a step back. And uh, did you appreciate that you went to Carlton at a time where we have that uh, inverted brackets, a window of opportunity? I know when I went to Richmond, they hadn't played finals for 24 years. When you went to Carlton, it was really the first part of what I think is a term, the golden era of the club, because they were just fantastic. I think it started in uh, when Brass came. Yeah. He came with an ethos and, yeah. a, and an ethic that, uh, that changed that football club. Uh, I think it destroyed Melbourne and and changed Carlton. Yes. Uh, what happened there and his thing was more about continual improvement, uh, you know, leadership, uh, selflessness, 
uh, you know, how can I help you? How can I be better? When it's your turn, you go. Just basic, simple things. Yeah. And, but you must, the most, the thing about what Brass brought along, and, and, it, and it was passed on to me and passed on to the next generation as far as I could, uh, as co- far as we could, is you're allowed to have some fun too. You're allowed to enjoy yourself. You're allowed to have a, you know, it actually yeah. celebrate when something goes well uh, and never mope over a loss or a whatever. Who cares about that? How are we going to get better is more important than get anything else. Get on with else. it. Yeah, just get on with it. Well, it know? sounds a bit like life, doesn't it? Oh, I think it is. And, yeah, well, uh, we dwell I, on things that don't matter because we no, can't change them. No, and most of the population doesn't give a brass razoo or a, or a, a, a tinker's hoot or whatever they no. call it. They, they really don't. The other thing, right, I want to talk about today. They sit there in the rooms after a loss today. I watch the television, you know, we've seen on when we're at the footy and I go, have a look at these poor buggers. Mm. What's the point of actually sitting there moping? Get up, get yeah. going. Get yourself organised. That's right. How are we going to get better? And it's, sometimes it's worth having a couple of beers after and having a chat about it. Yeah. And because I don't it, think they do that. Because that mental uh, negative can actually stay in your system too long. And, you, uh, you know, I don't know what you think, but I just said with uh, on radio last week against uh, when Richmond, and they were just, okay, stormed home. Oh, what a good effort. They were just deplorable. <laughs> but but when, once that goes through a team, oh, yeah. uh, particularly from the top, you know, the fish rots at the head, yeah. you can see good ordinary players just slump and then they're just no good. They've yeah, got to have the others to, to, bring, to bring them up. You've got to set the standards somehow, and uh, their standards aren't right at the moment. So uh, that's all part of it, Rex, and, uh, you know, we have our ups and downs. Someone's got to finish yeah, 18th. Exactly. Um, Could be us, the Blues. The two best backmen for Carlton I yeah. ever played against was Southby uh, earlier on, and then I played my last game when I played for the Saints against Southby. But Duel, you know what I mean? Mm. When I could run a little bit of Geelong, I found him just magnificent. Mm. They will go down as two of the great backs of all time. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Yeah. I mean, Jeff Southby was a... I think he was All-Australian and uh, fullback, and I think he was Team of the Century fullback at some stage there. Yeah. Oh, no, Silvani was. But I thought Southby was the other one who could have been. But uh, when you think about Bruce Dool, there's no undisputed. Not one person says that Bruce Dool's not in the top yeah. players in, in Australia. And I think he's the one who should probably go into the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Because, but, because he's not a, a talker and he's not a... He doesn't push himself no, on anyone. Self-promote, no. Not a self-promoter at all. Uh, why in the hell wouldn't he? Why wouldn't he go in if he's just quiet and yeah. humble? And, uh, and that's what I loved about him. I only spoke to him probably very very small amount, but uh, he had an enormous impact in watching me train, yeah. watching how he handled himself, what he did. He was he was a freak. He was one of the best players. I used to play on him a lot in practice matches, mm. and he drove you nuts, as you would well know. Well, I used to play on Royce Hart. And yeah. then when I went to centre to centre half forward, I used to play on Francis Burke. And I said, "He's up." He said, "No." That's right. And uh, you know, Francis uh, Francis would actually be uh, very physical playing uh, eight ball, and that's mm-hmm. the sort of player he was. And I'm sure you had him as well. Well, if you're not competitive, you wouldn't get a game in no. our team. You so. say that that after match entertainment was very important. It was so important when Richmond nearly lost their soul, save the skins campaign, mm. and you blokes played in a, a game out at Windy Hill, and 15,000 people turned out, and Richmond was saved. Mm. I think the fact is that we would cross over Brunton Avenue or Ligon Street during the footy season because we wouldn't even want to look at you blokes. Mm. But when when the shies and it's the fan, it was just a show of strength between the two clubs that we hate each other but we respect each other. No, I think. There's an enormous amount of respect between the fans now. It's a different, mm. different culture. That was like, uh, that was like a class war when they first started. If you remember, Richmond yes. versus Collingwood oh. versus Carlton versus whoever, like Melbourne, who was supposed to be the Silver Tails, yeah. and all of that, all that. And that. That's all gone now. It's, it's everyone's pretty similar in a sense when yeah. you think about it.
Yeah. Uh, the back-to-back premiership, uh, 80, yeah. 81, 82, was it? Correct. Uh, tell us about that because it's so hard to win one and we've seen, you know, sides uh, in the past who have celebrated that much that by the time they wake up, it's all over. But uh, you're on a mission and, and it's very hard, but, but it must have been a great place to be at when the resolve was, let's do it again and again and again. Well, it sort of started in 78. Yeah. Uh, Jezza took over about six games in after Ian Stewart was yes. uh, removed. Uh, we won 14 in a row there, straight away as, as Alex came in. Now, there's not a change of personnel in that. It's just a change of attitude and what we were yeah. doing. Uh, and, and all of a sudden, we ran 14 in a row. We went, made the finals and got knocked out because we didn't win enough games to be in the, to have a second chance. And then 79, we won. In 80, we finished on top of the ladder and Percy Jones was coach. Yeah. So we actually coached ourselves that year, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then in 81, uh, David Parkin turns up, who is, uh, who is a pretty astute guy, okay? Pretty astute guy, and he he, uh, he 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 takes control. We lose our first five practice matches. First five. We didn't even try. Mm. We don't try in practice matches. I don't think David worked that out until he, we actually had to tell him. And every Monday and Tuesday, sometimes we go to the Norton's Hotel and have a couple of beers after training. We go Monday nights, Tuesday nights, <laughs> and and all of a sudden, all the intellectuals from the university across the road, Melbourne Uni, used to come in there, and all the players were in there, and they'd ring up David and say, "All your blokes are in the pub." <laughs> <laughs> go, yeah, that's what we did, yeah. So he said, you know, he rang up on the, the week before the first game and he said, uh, you can't go to that, you're not going to Norton's anymore. We went, what? We've been doing that for since Adam was a boy. Yeah. It's part of our culture. And he and he said, no, no, you can't go. So there was only one thing we could do. We had to find another pub for us. <laughs> and we did. And uh, and we won the first game against Richmond, who won the premiership in 80 by yeah. 90 points or something yes, like that. Did. We beat him by 10 goals. Yeah. And he, then he started to realise that, that um, he had a reasonable bunch of guys uh, who could who could actually perform. They trained hard and worked hard, played yeah. hard, yeah. had a great time, enjoyed each other's company, but brutal on each other. Brutal on each other yeah. in, in, a, in a sense of after the match and, and, and how we're supposed to play. And we had a great two years. Win, win eighty one yeah. against Collingwood, and then backed up against the Tigers in eighty two, and and just just got over the line against them. It was a pretty good game. Oh, was it? What was it? An old style Rat Pack that similar to we had at Richmond with Ricky McLean and yeah. the Whale and these sort oh, of blokes and McKellar and oh, yeah. no you know Barmy and that. So so Buckley gets rid of the Rat Pack at Collingwood, but I think that's the last bastion of what you are talking about. Sure. That uh, you know you mightn't be the fittest and the best uh, at the start of the season. But when the whips are cracking, we'll be there, boys, and uh, let's I, go. No, we'll fit. Yeah. But I don't understand why you have to kill yourself in a practice match. Yeah. Do you? No, I don't. No, so that's what uh, that was about. And um, so, anyway, so when the, when, when the game was on, seriously, there was no... Uh, we, we've actually moved blokes on who yeah. didn't play well in that year. Yeah. The coach didn't coach us. He coached us in a sense, but we made lots of decisions in that area. Yeah. So, we're empowered to do what we wanted to do. Played, you know, played, played hard. I tell you, it was tough. I think the toughest thing for us all, particularly if you play, you know, uh, 200 games and you're fortunate enough to play in premierships like you did, is when uh, the end comes. Uh, was it sticking out like the proverbial for you with your back uh, or with your form? Or no. tell us about it because it's a very sad time, but you really have to stand up and say, "Hey, I'm gone, and uh, I've had a great time." Oh, and I did that. Yeah. I, I removed myself at the end and uh, oh, with a bit of help from yeah. somebody else who says... <laughs> and that's what usually happens. I don't know anyone who hasn't been sacked. No. So, uh, so And those we, waiting to be sacked. Uh, well, and <laughs> I'm waiting again. So 
<laughs> we all are. But uh, the, the side of it was that I um, I did hurt my back in '82. I, yeah. I broke a bone in my back playing in, and I got back into the side halfway. I missed 12 weeks, uh, and then got back in about 10 weeks to go before the end of the season. Yeah. And, um, and that was sort of, you know, it was sort of wrecked me. But I sort of got through. And then '83, I was I was in bad shape. I was in really bad shape in '83. And I sort of um, played a little bit in the reserves, which, uh, you know, really annoyed me. And then I got myself so fit in 84 and 85, I, I finished pretty high in the best and fairest in both yeah, those years. Yeah. And then 86, I got injured again halfway through the year. And I was sort of, I thought to myself, at the end, we played in the, played in the grand final and we got beat and I didn't perform very well. Mm. You've got to understand your own, you've got to analyse yeah. yourself and you've got to understand how you're travelling in this world. Because it, you don't have to get on the scales to know how, how, how heavy you are. No. You know what uh, I mean? Uh, uh, Mark McClure has joined us for This Is Your Football Life at Tabor and Brothers. The, the, the last uh, comment I need from you is a personal one. The only people who say I don't care because I didn't win a premiership are those people who aren't in the premiership club. Mm. Does each year when you get together mean more to you like it does to the Richmond folk? I Look, I understand what you say there, but there's lots of great people out there who have never had the opportunity to do what mm. we've done. Yeah. And we're very lucky in a sense. I mean, I... I and it's not an individual thing. You couldn't do it without your team. No. I mean, so I look. I I I feel for some of those guys. I feel for some of the, the Collingwood blokes who played in six and seven grand finals yeah. in a row and got yeah. never got a never got a result. That's it, yeah. So, and that's un- unfortunate for them. And uh, but that's you know the world's not fair. It's life. The world is not fair. What is fair? No, nothing. Nothing's yeah. fair. So, but apart from that, I do. I feel I feel as though um, people are you know I think we were lucky in a sense. You know, you make your own luck. Yeah. But we're lucky. It's really nice of you to pop in and share your footy life, and I wanted to celebrate it. Uh, I'm enjoying your work on the ABC and also Fox. Are you, you're obviously still involved, but you're 60 now, so just watch your back, all not right? Not quite. You're not quite? About a month. Well, just watch it because <laughs> the knife will come out. Oh, you reckon I'll get the chop? Well, 60 is a horrible thing to achieve, uh, but anyhow, I just think move I'll, on. I'll be happy when I do get chopped. <laughs> you there you go. Can. It won't worry me one iota. I'll be, uh, have a nice life. I've had a great time, Rex. Yeah. I mean, what a, footy's what a, been good yeah, to me. Yeah, but know? what a great time you've had too, and thank yeah. you for celebrating your time at the highest level, and we appreciate your time today. Go on, your extra On cheers. behalf of Tobin Brothers, Mark McClure, right around the nation, this is your football life. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.